Fuck you, buddy. They're bad. They're boys. And occasionally, they talk about running. Yes, it's the Bad Boy Running Podcast with your hosts, Jody Rainsford and David Heller. Come back. Baby, come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 bye. I must admit I was a clone to be messing around. But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town. Come back. Bye, 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 bye. Bye, 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 Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. Ho, 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 ho. Ooh. How are you doing? I'm all right. How are you on this fine Christmassy day? Oh, wow. What a day. What a day. I've, um, I'm trying to think what I can pretend would have happened right now. I've already done my park run this morning. My park race. What? Yeah. Christmas park race. We used to do BMF on Christmas Day. We still Ooh. lived in Brighton. Well, I think it's quite, it's quite and nice. Before we, to... And before we had children. <laughs> that long ago. It just means when you eat your turkey, you don't feel quite as guilty, which is always good. Yeah, I don't know. It's weird, really weird how, um, as we've got slightly older with children, the amount of excess is pulled back massively just because you just you just want to make it through to when they go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, idea, that's true. The whole idea, and depending on which, which grandparents are with us or which grandparents you're at, um, you're either, okay, right, for film up my mum's I can pretty much leave her to do all the childcare um and so yeah it, it kind of depends on, on that the thing is if I'm at my parents it also means that the television is on at the highest level possible and we can't, <laughs> yeah, get deaf, yeah and then like no one can hear anyone it's just the, the, the volume is up some ridiculous amount but we're not we're not we're at home for the first time ever this year <laughs> oh that's nice where were you where, where were you this morning we uh I've, I've woken up in my sister's house i believe down in winchester lovely winchester so we've had uh claire and her mum come over folks around and then tomorrow we're heading back up to claire's mum's to, to see her brother and sister but um, we'll be the, my sister's boyfriend gal he's a good cook okay. so yeah and he likes brew dog as well oh so it's gonna be a good day Gonna be a lot of chocolate, a lot of eating, and brew, um, but brew dog's not one you want to start on early. Like the what's become a normal um, uh, percentage in a, in a beer now uh, doesn't lend itself way uh, to, for, for morning drinking. Yeah, that's true. And unless I, you unless you can commit to a healthy healthy mid midday sleep. Yeah, a long walk. A long, well, a long, well, they go in for a long walk. We go. I'm just gonna, you go for a walk. I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna, <laughs> yeah. I'm just gonna stay in for a bit. I just, take the yeah, kids with you. Just, yeah, you take everyone with me. We'll go out. Well, I can go to sleep for a bit. But I've bought my dad from uh, this bottle of beer that I thought he might like because he he likes licorice. I can't remember what else it is, but it's um, it's like a twelve percent bottle of beer that's the size of a bottle of wine. So I thought it's not a growler, that, is it? It's it's not I can't remember. Is it, semi, quite, is it a semi growler? It is. It's it's more like it's more of a gra- it's a growl. A growlette. <laughs> growlette. Yes, <laughs> indeed. So I think we're going to be tucking into that later, which could bite us in the ass. But I'm not driving, so <laughs> hey, when are you? When are you driving? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I meant in my life. In my life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just that's that's my New Year's resolution: not driving in 2019 <laughs> again. <laughs> So the question is, do you predict 
that you'll get any running related products and or are you buying any i never get any running related products um, ever oh it's probably handy given that because, you never run because <laughs> <laughs> it makes that's sense that's very fun um the i don't know the thing is i don't ask for i i find it very very difficult having worked as a uh as a, as a running journalist knowing how freely stuff is given away mm. when you're a journalist and how much it really costs to yeah. then go and pay full price for it i just there's something about it it's the same with like like dvd i'd never buy dvds and blu-ray like yeah when i like when i was in when i was working in like uh, uh, uh film and dvd and stuff like that because why you know, why would you it's just well, I've never paid for a prostitute. <laughs> you're Happy a pro- Christmas. You, you, ho, ho, ho. You're a prostitute ho, ho. journalist. What? I don't understand. What? What's that? <laughs> I'm never saying that a, I've, I've never paid for a prostitute. With... She's there because they've never been alive. <laughs> yeah, I'm not saying I've got freebies from prostitutes either. I've, ne- I've never been with a prostitute. Just to clarify. Just clarify. <laughs> <laughs> this is but, an interesting listening. Hey, David. I'm. While we're all sat around here, and they, let's listen to your latest podcast <laughs> episode, shall we? See what see what little Christmas present you're going to give out there. <laughs> but um, given that you can now reveal the present, because Libby will only have heard this after she's opened them, and uh, the kids, have you bought them anything exciting? What I love about that is you're assuming, as we record this, that I have purchased the present by now, and we're, what are we, four days away from Christmas? Actually not. We don't really buy each other presents for uh, Christmas. What? Why not? Because uh, our marriage is a gift to her. Wow. So what do you get? So what we do, we, what we actually do is we do, um, oh, I can't, I can never remember it. Something. Something blue. Something you want, something, something she wants, something she needs, something to wear, something to read. So we get four presents. Okay. That's nice. Yeah, that's it. Four's quite a lot. Yeah, and it's all right. I mean, they're not—they're not, not going to be massive presents. We just they, all of the all of our like spending goes on the kids, and so uh, and making sure that they they get some nice stuff. Um, and so we're not really that bothered. The thing is, when you get to a certain age, it's like when you want stuff, you just go and buy it. I don't know. I never buy anything I want. I haven't got any money. Whenever the thing is, whenever so, what I really needed this year, like like mm. for my for my fortieth. Um, I was like, all right, I really need like some new pairs of jeans and stuff like that. And everybody refused to buy me clothes. They go, we shouldn't be buying you clothes when you're 40. I'm like, I don't understand what the rules are here. (laughs) Surely if I want that, no, you're 40 years old. You shouldn't, we shouldn't be buying your clothes. Well, what what else is there left? But I thought that's how it worked in life. What should you be buying me then? What should a, what should a 40 year old be getting as, what should I be asking for? And what should I be receiving? So they won't buy me that. But I got a, I've got a PS4. But I mean, so that's a pretty good gift. But I'm surprised they'd buy a PS4 because surely they don't want you playing computer games all the time unless they want playing themselves. Um, no, no, no. My, my parents bought me a PS4. Ah, well, that's a great gift from a parent. It's a well, because I kept saying I want a PS4. I want you know, Libby's going, oh no, you're it, for exactly that reason. Oh, you're going to spend less time with us, all this sort of stuff. I'm like. Yeah, um, <laughs> but I I thought the whole I, I thought the way relationships were like God created relationships so that men you you never have to buy clothes for yourselves you just transition your mother buying your clothes to your girlfriend buying your clothes I thought that's how it works ah this is the thing so 
once um, Libby and I, uh, Libby paid for me to go to a stylist, like one of those personal shoppers. <laughs> how much did she pay? I don't know how much it was. I don't know how much it cost, but I had like, <laughs> I had like, um, uh, like 500 quid to spend. Um, at uh, David, you, you clearly don't ever shop that much if you think £500 is, is, is a reasonable amount of money to, to spend on clothes. Um, what kind of clothes are you buying? And so we went to this, we went to this like personal, this person, the personal shopper at, uh, at the store and everything. And um, so they look at like your tone of skin and all these other things that, that make up, you know, that like the colors that you should wear and stuff mm. like that and the style you should wear and, and, and things like that. And, um, and so they go, all right, now um, go off and choose the sort of clothes that you would normally buy that you think would suit you. I'll go off and choose it. And they said, Libby, you go off and choose some for Jodie. See what you think. And so we all came, we all came back Scott after Gwan like... In, got, got Gwan involved? It's got what? Was Got Gwan involved? Got Gwan was not involved, unfortunately. Okay. Um, but it, that's kind of what it's like. And so, and so you come back again, uh, you congregate back and see what people have chosen. And so, you know, they always, it's always the same. It's like, okay, you've obviously got um, uh, clothes that are like a little bit too sort of baggy and not really the sort of shapeless and you don't really know yeah. what you're doing and you know the, a, a toddler should wear those jeans that not that and stuff like that <laughs> and then they've chosen stuff that's like slightly you know I just think it's like a bit too stylish or something I'm like I just couldn't get away with wearing that you know I just keep the I couldn't get away with wearing that and they're like yes mm. you, you actually can and then looks at Libby's stuff and they're like she's like what what age do you think he is like literally everything she had chosen was was completely wrong and Libby was just like admitting, yeah, I kind of want him just to dress like my dad. Like it was like mustard jeans and like tweed uh, things. Like, it's just like what? Like when? Do you, when? When would I ever? Like, the, the, but the thing is, it was good having like the, the like the personal stylist there, just going, no, 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 definitely not, no. Um, so that's what the thing. Gift? I think you should do more gifts if you buy them like that. So yeah, so Libby, Libby can't choose clothes for me because she. She tries to put her own spin on them. She won't. She she never wants me to wear the kind of clothes that I I want to wear uh, that, that, that suit me. She's very very poor at making decisions about what suits me. She'll just choose stuff that she kind of thinks I would that she wants her ideal man to be in. Unfortunately, I'm not the ideal man to wear those clothes. So I'm I'm just checking if I, I did hear a noise behind me. I'm just checking if Briggsy's come in because um oh god she she bought me some clothes last year yeah and I. I managed to hide one of them. We haven't really <laughs> haven't mentioned it. She um she bought me a a jumper yeah. where it had a stitched in collar. Oh where, yeah. So it made it look like you had a, a shirt underneath. Yeah, but the shirt, the button was done up. You know when you see Oh yeah, yeah. Um I it's it's what I think Danny Dyer would wear when he thought he was being Yes like posh. Yeah. And to me, it's the most horrible look ever. I'd never do a shirt buttoned all the way up. I don't know why. No. Um, and so I felt really bad because I think she was quite excited that I'd wear this rather than a Cliff Bar hoodie or, <laughs> or a BMF hoodie or an Innovate race top or you know whatever else it is that I've been given for free or that I've been running in or I've been running in my bag. And um, and unfortunately, she chose probably the one thing that I would never wear. So um, I don't know whether I've I've crushed her spirit about buying me clothes ever again, or um, 
Yeah, I hope I haven't. I hope I haven't. But um, I know the yeah buying clothes from because so the thing is essentially I always default back to wearing the exact same clothes I wore when I was seventeen. Just, <laughs> just that? A, school uniform. Just <laughs> why, why, why were you wearing a school uniform at seventeen? I was held back a lot. Many years, <laughs> many years. It's just I'm just like in jeans and a t-shirt, just looking like scruff me. Yeah, I've had the same belt for like twenty-three yeah. years or something. <laughs> same. Yeah, do, yeah, exactly. You know, it's like you've, you've seen it. You've seen the belt from twenty-three years ago. Perfectly uh, reasonable. I, I, yeah, I just I I don't I, I you know when I when I when I spent this five hundred quid on these clothes, um, of which I think I've worn. I mean, I spent one hundred and twenty quid in a pair of jeans. And to me, that was like, whoa, was that? Whoa, 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 I've never spent 120 quid on a pair of jeans in my life. Yeah. I was like, I, I always try and get them for like 30 quid. Do you remember when Cromwell's yeah. Madhouse was around? Cromwell's Madhouse? It was called Cromwell's Madhouse. You can get like cheap jeans in there. Was it like the Officers Club? Uh, no, it was, it, was, it was supposed to be like much cooler. It was like, okay. it was, um, it had very sort of 90s styling uh, yeah. on it. But it was called Cromwell's Madhouse. I'm sure some people, but it was, it was all just like cheap jeans and it was before they had like real sort of discounting stores. Yeah. Thing. I don't know whether this is a regional thing or whatever, but yeah. And so you could buy like these, pe- and so my, my price anchoring is around, it's 30 quid for a pair of jeans. So yeah. if I spend yeah. 55 quid in a pair of jeans, I'm like, they're a bit expensive if I can get them in the sale. Yeah. And it's always that, you know, and they're like, you'll, they'll find t-shirts and the t-shirts will be like 35 quid. And I'm like, that is an insane amount yeah. of money. I will spend 25 pound a t-shirt if it's got Jeff Goldblum on the front, possibly, but I will not spend 35. Jeff Goldblum? Yeah. You've seen my Jeff Goldblum t-shirt. I hate Jeff Goldblum. What do you mean you hate Jeff Goldblum? He is, he is the worst. What? He's horrifically bad. Oh, oh. What? What? How, how are you judging him on his running? What? As a human. As a what? human. What do you got against Jeff Goldblum? He is the smuggest man on earth. Can't think of any man as smug and as self-satisfied. I think because he's got glasses, he thinks he genuinely is the most intelligent person who's ever lived. I what? Are you talking about Jeff Goldblum? Oh, he's... Oh. Can't stand him. Any interview. This, oh wow! This is not a Christmas gift. This is a Christmas nightmare. What is oh, going on? Tell me on? about it. Yeah, <laughs> Goldblum's in the room. Oh. Oh. Anyway, anyway, um, we've got some lovely Christmas messages to read out. We do. <laughs> First message to Jeff Goldblum. <laughs> do one, buddy. Do one. <laughs> the great thing is, I wear this picture of Jeff Gold, this this T-shirt with Jeff Goldblum, and Hugo comes up to me and points to the picture and goes, "Daddy." I'm like, "No, no, he's not your daddy." <laughs> what does he know? But, but he could be. That's Jeff for you. Is Hugo part fly? He uh, he does occasionally spit onto his food and then consume <laughs> it that way. Yeah, is that? Do you think that's something to do with it? That could be the sign. Yeah, absolutely. But we've um we've got a message firstly. So we, we did ask in the Facebook group for um, messages to loved ones that we could read out. <laughs> but it seems and... no one in the BBR group's loved very much or loved. No, so. No. <laughs> so Deagle, thank you, Deagle Shakespeare, for having a message of love to the wider Do Better community, but specifically for Lisa Shakespeare, the lovely Lisa Shakespeare. Fuck you, buddy. That's what he said. 
So uh, he could have been a bit more original than that, or or maybe something a little bit more personal. But no, just no I'm going to just go for the generic, uh, generic messaging that could have applied to anyone else in the group. Absolutely, absolutely. Do you, would you like to read the next one, JD? Given I, that it, I, haven't, I haven't been able to find them. Ah, okay. So um, I'll I'll send you the link because I think you should actually read the next one. You'll uh, you'll understand why when you uh, have a read of it. Because it does directly relate to you. What? Where have you sent me the link? There we go. Oh, there we go. While we're waiting for JD to read that, I shall sing to us a Christmas song. Happy Christmas to ya. What? Happy Christmas to ya. Happy Christmas. What is the best Christmas song? Best Christmas song is uh, East 17, Stay Another Day. That's a very, very good call. Um, Love that song. But it's not the best. Not the best? No. River. Jenny Mitchell. What? Yeah. No. Great Christmas song. No. Christmas Wrapping by The Waitresses. Who are The Waitresses? Christmas Wrapping. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas. But I think I missed this one this year. Merry Christmas. That's Banana Rama. That's not fucking Banana Rama. That's the waitresses. Oh, the waitress. I think I was in Cyprus when that came out, so I missed, <laughs> what? missed out on that. I have, a, I have a void of knowledge in my youth from when I was in a, a foreign land as a child. Do you remember when um, Cliff Richard would always release a Christmas song? Certainly do. Some of them were hilarious. Oh, this is nice. Okay, so this is a a message from Mark Bewley. Bewley? Bully? Bewley. Bewley. Mark Bewley. Bewley. I would like to send a message to the love of my life, Lindley Chambers. It is simply three laps, three laps. You don't have the DUV for it. Mwah. (laughs) I like the kiss there. Yeah, kiss. The kiss made it, wasn't it? It was really nice. Yeah, absolutely. And there was a little emoticon of a kiss on the message listener if you're wondering if that was just an ad. No, no, it was just, yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't freestyle like that normally. So uh, we've got a message for Stephen Maggiore from his wife, possibly sister, possibly mother. <laughs> Naomi Maggiore saying, Stephen needs to take me to Beer Lovers Marathon next year. Are you listening, Stephen? Yeah, she's talking about you uh, in the third person, which is a little bit impersonal. She is. <laughs> Maybe they're not related. No, possibly. Possibly not. So, um, Stephen, sign up. Okay, so this one, next one's from uh, Amy Robson. Dear Do Badder Ben, I think they're on to us. Try to act natural, or at least less Comic Sans. FYB, Do Badder Amy, a.k.a. The Token Vegan. Not the token vegan. We have got way more than one annoying vegan in the Facebook group. <laughs> There's no doubt about that. I think she's, I think she's token vegan in uh, every other Facebook group, though. Yeah, that's probably true. Uh, yeah. that's probably true. We do have a high propensity of, um, of vegans in the BBR group, but that's because um, there's a huge amount of compassion in the BBR Facebook group. <laughs> oh, I was not aware of that. <laughs> I was not aware of that either. 
great to hear now that it's uh, Christmas time. The time for compassion. Time for compassion. I hope you're not eating turkey and you're eating um, nut roast. In fact, just while it's in my memory, no favourite line from a song this year by Frank Turney. Frank Turner. What? It's uh, let's make America great again. It says let's make compa- let's bring compassion back in fashion. Let's bring compassion back in fashion. That's very nice. Yeah, it's great. Let's like, let, let's make racists ashamed again. He rhymes it with making America great again. Great lyrics. Great lyrics. Anyway, anyway. Go on. Do the last message from Kelly Allen. Dear moral support, you run better than the government. <laughs> topical one there. Topical. topical. I mean, oh, that's topical. Which government? It could be to any government. Given that we're days away from definitely, definitely not, possibly, possibly not, new government, non-government, in, out, we Brexit. Could, we could be running the government by then, to be honest. We could I be. think I think we're actually one of the options that are going to be put, towards, uh, put in front of Parliament. I mean, they've they've not discounted us yet. No. And no la- one, Labour no. certainly haven't said we're not No a one has option. discounted us. No one but expects we, us. Well, you know, no one ever sees it coming. But no um, we, <laughs> we also we also asked for some requests on Instagram. And um, how many did we get on we, Instagram? Yeah, we've Sagan. How many did we get on Instagram? We got three lovely messages. Oh right. The first one is from Be First Apparel One One. It says, "Brand our BF team. See my bio now." <laughs> <laughs> Very nice Christmas message That's there. A lovely Christmas message. <laughs> Breathe the Fitness UK said, "Great pick." And like your gallery, have a great day. <laughs> Thanks, Bree. Thanks, Bree. These are lo- these are so personal. They are. They are <laughs> classic D bad lines. Classic Insta. And three sixty five underscore active says, "Can't beat a good run." Smiley face, power fists. Yeah, nice, nice. Yeah, no, no, you can't say Christmas better than a power fist. You can't. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't. But we do actually have a gift for you, do badders today. Yeah, and it's answering the question: Is Frozen a Christmas film? Is that a gift? Yeah. Well, no, it's answering it. And I'm. Oh, no, well, actually, I'm telling you, no, it's not a Christmas film. It's not set around Christmas. It just has a lot of snow in it. That's it. There we are. End of that debate. Ah, so it's probably a Christmas film as much as um, Scarface is then. It's got a lot of snow in that as well. (laughs) It's got a lot of snow. And the video for Informer, that has a lot of snow in it. (laughs) It does. It does. (laughs) But um, we've, in our lack of professionalism... It's not a lack of professionalism. It is intentional non-professionalism. In fact, while we're talking about professionalism, we can link this in to a Christmas gift you can give to us, the presenters of Bad Boy Running. We have been, for some reason, nominated and shortlisted in the top 10 professional blogs (laughs) by the Running Awards. Why don't they just have a podcast category? I just don't (laughs) understand. Just have a podcast category. Why are they philosophically (laughs) opposed to doing it? We get shoehorned into the weirdest categories. So as an unprofessional non-blog, 
we would like for you to vote for us for the number one professional blog category. Um, I'm sure there's going to be other do-badders on the list somewhere for other categories. I can't think of who or what they are at the moment. Cliff, define professional. (laughs) I think, however you define it, if you're if you're defining it correctly. We do not meet those parameters. I don't, we don't meet those parameters in any part of that word, uh, that phrase, <laughs> professional or blog. Or running. Or running. <laughs> indeed, indeed. So that is, that is a gift you can give to us today. Um, but we have a gift for you. T- tell us about it, Jodie. Yeah, well, we decided um, very early on that um, we want to make the most out of our uh, out of our interviews and because we have such great guests um, and sometimes people f- don't always listen to every episode um, because we, you know, our episodes are quite long. They could be an hour and a half up to two hours. Mm. You know, we give huge amounts of value. Um, uh, unlike <laughs> lots of, what are you laughing at? Unlike lots of other podcasts who try and like pass you off on 15, 20 minutes. Um, we give huge amounts of value, which sometimes means that people don't listen to it. So the problem is that sometimes you don't always hear the guests that we have. So what we've decided to do is uh, include the guests several times uh, in future podcasts. So it's if you like at Christmas when you you make turkey soup, yeah, exactly. A few days after, absolutely, you're, you're eating turkey uh, afterwards for for days and days on end. And we do we're kind of doing the same here, but we're making it sound as though we're doing it in a per- purposeful way rather than the fact that we forgot that we'd done the intros and outros for um, a particular guest and so we're now doing them again uh, and this is a particularly interesting intro and outro because we talk about uh, well I talk about going to America to see uh, Lee Stewart Evans you might have heard of him um, he did a run um, I can't remember where it was can't remember what it was um, it was a really long one uh, can't remember uh, but he did he did some kind of run um, and um, and David talks about doing it on, and so uh, it's it's quite it's quite an interesting episode for for your Christmas day listening. Um, stuff the Queen, um, forget about Sound of Music. This is what you should be listening to instead. Yeah, so enjoy, listeners. Have a wonderful Christmas, Happy New Year, all of that. I guess we'll see you on the other side. See you on the other side. Admit I was a clone to be messing around But that doesn't mean that you have to leave town Come back Yes, and give me one more try Cause a love like this should I never ever die Bye 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 Hey! How you doing? I'm alright, David Hallard, how are you? Yeah, good Good, tired, tired. I've had a big weekend. Been racing as ever. You've been racing. Well, yeah. In fact, we've I've been racing this weekend, and then a match report as such of a of the OM. Oh, race last weekend. So we'll get to that. We'll get to that. But how are you? How's uh, how's the training going now that people know of the bet? Um, the training. Well, we've all known that for a while I've been uh, making excuses about injury um, and I have been able to do some running. So I've still got some time. So what what time are we talking now? We're talking, we're we're in sort of like mid-November now. So I've kind of got, I'm glad 
I agreed to end of January. I'm hoping, <laughs> I'm hoping there's going to be that's going to be sufficient time. So, but I yeah. think it's going to be really touch and go um, because I haven't been able to like run properly um, without my my back hurting um, and due to general laziness uh, for for a while. Although, as you will find out, as we're about to talk about, I have been doing some running, um, mainly walking, but some running as well um because i was forced into it oh okay oh forced oh i do know where this story is going absolutely well before we get to that welcome to the podcast listener welcome to bad boy running i would like to give you i'd like to give you a usp about bad boy running but i don't really know what is our usp usp hmm you sexy p it would be We, uh, we always used to say the only podcast officially endorsed by pato banton yeah uh, uh, can we not say that anymore no no we can say that we can say that i'm just i'm just not sure how much weight that holds with um uh with with runners um, we are of course the um fourth best podcast in the world according to runners world absolutely uh, and number one running podcast number one running podcast according to runners world yeah absolutely but um hopefully you've come here for inane conversation because we don't have a guest this week and so therefore we've got nothing else to offer <laughs> it all falls apart if you yeah. if you this is your first episode and um you're going to now experience us talking uh be aware that um we have this thing called the silk cut and the silk cut is uh the point at which we stop talking and an interviewer uh, interviewee takes over and it came about as a result of a listener fee silk um, basically telling me to my face that she doesn't like the bits where we're talking and she just likes <laughs> the interviews. Uh, which I kind of, it's a, it's, a, it's a weird thing because you think, well, why don't you just listen to them on another podcast then? Um, but Because we get so much more out of our guests. Than we do, we podcast. squeeze the juice, we, squ- we squoze the juice out of many of our, uh, I don't know if that's, that sounds terrible actually now I've said that. <laughs> I don't know if that, we need to get Nick to go back and tell you. But we've, we have, Pulled the no. Everything I'm saying sounds disgusting. Say something <laughs> alternative. We have rinsed. Mm. <laughs> we have wrung the truth. Uh, whatever we've done, we've interviewed them uh, and said different questions to other people. There we are. That's it. Yeah, absolutely. We've rubbed them up the right way. <laughs> we rubbed them up in a way they weren't expecting, and they. Have poured forth on us. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> but um, well, have you seen? There's been if you and and we've hopefully had a little bit of a sting say this already. If you haven't listened to the A to Z of Do Battery, I would recommend it. Have you seen? There have been a spate of good, even more impressive knockoff merchandise that's been coming out. No, no, I haven't. Where is it? Tell me. I'm going to send them a letter. So it's Wave Two. One of them is uh so the first one was from andy broadfield and the hat said buck you buddy buck you buddy yeah with fyb and then it had some antlers on which i think is a good take on it that's so a nice take. nice for the kids in, in relation to what though is there a context it, to this there or was just, he just really like stags in fact i think he was taking a, a picture of amy but she was wearing a hat with some oh, some antlers on for some reason and some flowers i mean i'm not saying there's you know this these are 
going to be commercially viable. It's getting very Wicker Man-ish, isn't it? It is indeed. It's it starting to get, start, start, as soon as it starts getting animalist, you're like, mm, I don't know, I don't know what's going on here. But you're you're quite like the uh, the next knockoff merch by Ian Hines. He's got a Park Run 250 top, and he's turned it into a Park Race 250 top <laughs> with a marker pen. <laughs> Which I think is brilliant. I think we should all be doing that. I just the thing is, I, I need to see the faces of people at Park Race. <laughs> That's what I need to see. I need to see how, how they're reacting to it. And once you start going down the line, that means I think we can have our 1,001 marathon clubs. Marathons <laughs> club. Just add, I mean, that's what I did with my headband for, for Tough Mudder. It's how I got my, my 10 Tough Mudder uh, headband colour, just by adding a one on my little band, my wristband. <laughs> so the power of a one... And transform the, lives. The power of truly. doctoring. That's the power of adding additional digits is is incredible. I mean, I learned that at uh, behind the bike sheds at school. But God, ATG, we didn't just make a joke about that. I we'll move on. We'll move on now. Um, talking about something that's going to transform lives in the way I did back then. Have you seen the new paragliding running tool? What? <laughs> so. What? <laughs> now this is i think gonna be the most well i love it but let me know if you think it's a good idea okay a gentleman called jean baptiste chandelier he's what? released i mean for, for one is a great be, name yeah absolutely great name you is know i don't know i'd assume it's got to be french swiss or belgian oh okay he's he's created a lovely video and it starts with the intro saying, run to fly, run and fly. So he's got a little backpack. He runs up a hill, I assume in Chamonix or somewhere else. And then he unfolds his backpack and he's got a paraglider, which he then jumps <laughs> off the cliff and paraglides around. And this item is on just general sale. What? <laughs> Yeah. What? I can't see how that could possibly go wrong. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. And he, I mean, it's a really nicely shot video. He uh, kind of flies down and then just rips it away and, yeah, disappears. So the, the paraglider, he says, is lighter than a bottle of water. Um. In what circumstances would you ever need that? It sounds like something out of James Bond or something. I mean, who needs to fly? Who needs anything? Who needs to run? Well, I mean, no, that's true. But you could just imagine, okay, I'm like, okay, I've got this like backpack stuff, like I'm doing this race. And you're like, do you know what? I'm a bit fed up with this race. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna, I'm gonna DNF here, but I'm not gonna be waiting around for things. I'm just gonna fly back to the start. But then, I mean, that would be great, wouldn't it, where you're allowed to use that and it's just an A to B race. Do you run? Do you fly? What's your route? I think that'd be amazing. I love the idea of them saying, okay, it's an, it's an A to B race and you can get any way, any way you want, including flight. <laughs> you're like, what? Mm. Yeah, <laughs> including flight. 
Like, what are you talking about? It sounds like one of those films from the from the sixties where they're trying to find a, a treasure under the X. So we, I think we've mentioned this years ago on the podcast. Yes, we did. We mentioned it's something we should do. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Let's keep it spinning out. But that that would be great. You'd have someone running, turning up with that, and and it'd be what'd be brilliant about it is you might get someone running up a hill, so they can then jump off it to then go in completely the other direction, whereas someone else is just running away from the hill to start with. Um, it feels a little bit triathlon-y, though. It feels Ooh. like there's a bit of cheating going on here. I mean, there's a lot of cheating going on, to be fair. I just don't... Where, where, does, where did he come up with this idea? What's his story? Does it explain in the video? I was running along one day, and then I thought, I know, I'll take a shortcut to that other mountain... Well, maybe as a runner, maybe as a paraglider. But if you live somewhere like Chamonix, you do see people paragliding every day. And they land in town. You can be having a coffee in a cafe watching people land. So it is. it would become normality. And I, I can't imagine there's that many people in Chamonix who haven't gone paragliding once before, or at least considered it. So I mean, once you get used to that... Because he, he says it fits in a four-liter bag, which is pretty light. I don't know. I don't know about you, but the weight of it doesn't. It's, it's not my. It's not, it's not my main concern. The weight Actually, of if it. If anything, I want it to be. I want heavy. it to be heavier and more durable. <laughs> yeah. Like really, less, like... less material is not what I'm thinking about when I'm like <laughs> hundreds of feet above the ground. <laughs> it's a weird thing to judge it on. Yeah, that's true, actually. That is an unusual selling point. But from um, this links in quite nicely to um, from unusual objects to see while running. Have you seen that they have now in the uh, trying to find which half marathon it was? A UK half marathon trialled seaweed pouches of water. Oh, I did read about that. And they just you put, just put them in your mouth, don't you? You just put the yeah the the Harrow half. And did it work? I didn't read the full article. I'm going to be honest. I just saw the pictures. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not. The thing is, there's it's an article on Runners World, and you know. No matter what, they're going to get people being positive about it. They're going to get one person who's not that positive about it. And they can't really do an article where they say this really naive race tried to do something good for the environment and it was absolutely dreadful. So I don't think we're ever going to discover what it was like unless we do it ourselves. There were six aid stations where they could get them at. I still didn't quite get. So do they transport those within a big plastic bag, I guess? They must do. And then, so you then just pick it up. And I'd I'd love it if they're all individually wrapped in plastic bags. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the, it's just, I'm not sure how easy they'd be to pick up without bursting them or the thing is the first one you pick up you think that's great you eat it and then you think "Mm, these are essentially water balloons yeah and there's no way you're putting another one in your mouth you're throwing it at the back of the head of the person in front of you 
It just turns yeah. into a massive water bonfire. That, that would be great, wouldn't it? Ooh, that would be quite fun. Yeah, in f- the, the article, in fact, is very short about whether it's successful or not. It just said this is what happened. This is, what, this is how you use it. So you sh- rather than shoveling a few sips towards your mouth, participants grab pods from one of the event's six A stations and simply use their teeth to tear an opening or consume the entire edible pouch the thing is so, you, you see you see this stuff all the time you say oh someone's got this amazing idea here it is and then you don't hear anything about it ever again oh someone's hmm. got this great idea oh they come up with this thing i did i once wrote a feature on a a pair of shoes that this person was this this company and the scientists were developing based on um what's it called the uh based on mattresses like normal sprung mattresses and they were but, but we, and they were saying oh yes the future and stuff like that have you ever heard of it no you're not heard the, of any Nike of Vaporfly but, what Nike Vaporfly <laughs> yeah that's it yeah it may, it's, it, apparently it's just two mattresses strapped to your feet <laughs> but you don't you're like oh yeah we've got this amazing thing that's going to change the way that you run forever and you're like never heard of it again it's just that's no, that's, 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 the cost that's, that's because... the running press for you yeah, because it would be great if this does take off because I hate having to use cups and I know London are looking to try and use cups if they can. They tried it last year, so this year, and call me a sceptic, hopefully it's because of green reasons, but I'm fairly sure it's because it's far cheaper to use cups than to have entire bottles um, for people. But yeah, if... The, I guess the issue will be I can't imagine that the scale that they're going to create these pods to start with because you can't really sell them in a shop. I don't think people are going to be going in there and picking up a pod because you you really want a water bottle to take with you and use again or at least you don't necessarily want the whole bottle now in the way that you would have a, a little pod. So they're not going to be sold yeah, in I'm, shops. Really, I'm really thirsty. I'm going to take eight pods with me. You can imagine balancing those or putting those in your bag. Yeah, so someone so, leans on your bag. <laughs> so that's going to be really awkward, which means they're primarily going to have to sell them to events, and therefore they're going to be very, very expensive compared to going to a water sponsor, who someone like Evian, who might even you know give you the water bottles for free. So suddenly races are going to have to substantially you know, charge substantially different amounts potentially, based on whether they do the biodegradable pods or not and knowing consumers they might get the odd race where everyone goes this is for water aid great we're all going to spend an extra 10 pounds compared to what we would normally but i don't know if it's gonna take off Look, if I, it's costing I, more i think from all the discussions we've had and everything we know about thing if something's going to cost more money it's mm. not going to happen mm. Which is really sad, especially especially if it's an environmental thing. Though, it's, it's, as much as people talk about the importance of environmental stuff, and we were talking about this um, uh, with the on the Dan Lawson episode. Mm. Uh, you know, if there was a, if there was a way of reducing it, reducing like the impacts or something, that's fine. But if it's going to cost a substantial amount of money, it's just not doable. And so, yeah. You know, the, the other thing is, how, how do you give these to people? I guess they've got to pick them up. You've got to pick them up. Someone's yeah. going to have touched them before. That's it. You're essentially putting someone... Because someone's going to have to lay them out unless they use tongs or something like that. <laughs> they use tongs. Tongs. 
Tongue. <laughs> <laughs> tongue. I mean, is that your suggestion? Oh, hello, hello, young lady. Would you like some water? <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I took that straight off your Tinder account. I can't imagine the yeah the the issue could be you're going to try and pick it up at speed, and you're going to take every single. It's like going to be like a like a load of. There could be a load of balls, essentially, because they're balls, aren't they? Ball shaped. Yeah. A load of balls on a table. It's just going to take one person to crack a smash into that table or just like knock a few. It's not the same as like knocking down a couple of bottles or something like that. Are you going to do like a a running dive, water slide? (laughs) (laughs) It'll be be a a refreshing advert for opal fruits or or something. Have you ever felt this refreshed? It would be Sorry, amazing. Actually, it would Stop be amazing. It. it would be amazing to put them all on a table and then to jump on them, it, just the way that they explode and everything. That would be great. They'd be quite good for um, if you need to pretend you've wet yourself. I don't know when this circumstance <laughs> would be. If you need to pretend you've wet yourself, oh, what circumstances would that ever be needed? Say you you just want to get out of a date or. What? Um, that's the best thing you can pretend that you've had a phone call or an emergency <laughs> i'm sorry if, i can't continue this day i pissed myself or say say you've um you've sat on a, a seat for um for over six you're, you're not you're not sitting you're sitting on someone's seat you shouldn't be at a gig and they then come to get their seat <laughs> then you do the oh i'm getting nervous oh i've just weed myself do you want the seat back you've got to sit in a wet seat and you're wet <laughs> what yeah, but you know it's not pee so who wins who wins you should watch the royal variety performance it's really confusing halfway through when suddenly i'm sat where the queen should be <laughs> anyway anyway from water at a marathon to water at a marathon did you see the venice marathon this week oh week? my god that was incredible it was incredible because you think oh that's a really difficult situation for those runners to be in and then the guy in the wheelchair came along. <laughs> yeah, that so we haven't just, seen it. They should, they, they should have stopped that. I take it was just that section that was like that. Yeah, because I, I can't remember the exact group, but the Venice Marathon, like a lot of city marathons, is nothing to do with the city until the last 5K. And so you, you run on the mainland, essentially, and it's not wet. And then you come into Venice. And I didn't realise that it's, it's not that uncommon for Venice to flood. Oh, like when I went to Venice, like uh, when I was 21, it was flooded then. Like, and they, they had all boards out. You had to walk along all these gangway boards and everything. Yeah, crazy. So I quite like the idea of coming into a marathon where the last mile is... It takes you two hours because <laughs> you're swimming. <laughs> yeah. It's like a reverse triathlon. Yeah, it's, that'd be great if they then had the... They could just leave the... The blobs of water. <laughs> you can just scoop them up, can't you? It'd be like fishing for ducks at the fair. <laughs> That's the problem, though, isn't it, with um, uh, Venice? Is that the sewage system um, breaks down oh, somewhat when it floods? Uh, you're actually wading through. Wading mm. well, you could be sitting in what you ate last night. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Okay. Not great. Yeah. No idea, no idea. And um, so we talked about a few things you you don't expect to see. This is linking to 
a product I obviously know very well, Caffeine Bullet. Caffeine Bullet. So, Who manufactures Caffeine Bullet? Maybe be a factory in Yorkshire. Have you seen there is now Caffeine Ham? That was a joke, wasn't it? Was it? Yeah, it was a joke. It was a hoax. Ah, oh, I, I wanted to believe it too much. No, no. So you're talking about the, there was a, a picture someone posted in the uh, BBR Facebook group of Monster, Monster Energy, Energy Ham. Ham. But the thing <laughs> is, like if you're in America, that you just wouldn't, wouldn't bat an eyelid. You yeah, think, that's oh. why I assumed like it wouldn't surprise me if someone's going to have done that. Well, so apparently it's, it's, a, it's fake. Ooh, the thing is, it could be one of those things that's fake. And t- unless it gets a really good reaction and all of a sudden it becomes yeah. real. So was it an April Fool's or? Well, if it was, it was slightly out of season. Yeah, okay. Here we go. Fact check. Is Monster selling caffeinated ham? That's the, the first thing that comes up. <laughs> I'm going to read the rest to the bottom of the article. I'm hoping. Oh, it's not a genuine food product offered by Monster Energy. <laughs> Unbelievable. <sighs> Oh, that would be great, though. Caffeinated Imagine ham. Imagine that. Yeah. For sandwiches. So this actually links into what I've been doing. So on the... Did the OM last weekend. Reminds me, on the second day of the OM, someone was bringing out sandwiches from their bag. And I had to say, have you packed your own sandwiches? They said, yes. Said, you packed them all yesterday. So imagine having caffeinated ham for your second at the arm. That would be pretty sweet. Oh, that sounds disgusting. <laughs> Actually, before we get to, to the arm, so tell me about your trip to America. Before we talk about trips to America, we should talk about what we're drinking. Mm. Because amazingly, That's true. in this case of, um, so our sponsor is beer52 from beer52.com forward slash bad boy running. And uh, they send us uh, in each box of eight beers, um, hand-selected, as opposed to non-hand-selected. And um, in ev- pretty much, it's I would say it's about, like, majority of, like, the, the ones in there are New England IPA. So as we're talking about um, New England and, and that area, we're drinking something from Venezuela. Ben- oh. <laughs> but they've done well. What's this Venezuela? This is I. I don't know anything about Venezuelan beer. I've never had a beer from Venezuela before. I mean, I didn't even know they had beer in Venezuela. They have beer everywhere. They do actually. So this is um, a Reaper and Co. Yeah, a Reaper and Co. Alibaba. But um, if you want to drink along, do bad as as Jody said. Beer52.com slash bad boy running and you get eight beers that are themed to a different theme each month so this month is about pairing your drinks with food we haven't got any food so at the moment i'm pairing this with uh with mints which is an ideal mints 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 like minty mints minty minty mints as opposed to beef mints or lamb mints yes that would be a weird that'd be a weird Combination. I'm just eating raw mints <laughs> and Venezuelan beer. But maybe that's what they do in Venezuela. Prove maybe me wrong. Maybe it is what they do. But um, yeah, if you'd like to drink that. along. Oh, say again. 
Well, they, we can't verify that. We cannot. No, but uh, I'm happy. I'm, I'm prepared to go to Venezuela for this beer. Should we say that? Yeah. Okay. Well, we, we can arrange that. I don't know what Venezuela's <laughs> like, really. Uh, I mean, we're not being sponsored by that much money from them, to be fair. <laughs> we're certainly not being sponsored by Venezuela from the way that we're talking about it. No, we're not. We're not. But I imagine it's a lovely place. So um, if you want to drink along, get on the that link, biffitsu.com slash badboyrunning, and you can get an entire crate for free. Uh, you just pay postage of £2.95. So we are now talking about Southern America, Central America, Central Southern, Central Southern. To North America. Oh, yes, yes. Um, so I... Uh, decided to uh, travel um, to New York. So I, I basically had a a work conference, a uh, marketing conference I was going to in Florida. And uh, I had to, I, I left it late. I'm, I'm not exactly renowned for my organisational skills and I have a slight issue with doing things at the last minute. Mm. So I didn't book my tickets so really late, which meant that they all, the, you, all the decent tickets are gone. You, you so don't have an issue with booking things at the last minute, though, do you? That's the issue. I don't have an issue. No, you don't have an issue with it. No, you, no, you, I don't. No, no, I don't have an issue with it. It's just I, I yeah. probably would save myself a lot of time, money, and effort if I if I actually planned ahead. But you know what I'm like. I'm a I'm a I'm a free spirit. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, um. I, I was booking these flights. I couldn't fly directly where I was going. And so they had the option of having a, a flight into New York and then going down. So I thought, ah, here we go. I can go and see Lee because Lee's near New York, isn't he? Um, not really knowing where he was, to be honest. And, um, and so I booked to go and see him, stay with him for a few nights. And, uh, and he planned a little itinerary for me. Oh, <laughs> wonderful. Um, Were you aware of the itinerary before you booked? Uh, well, he gave me a loose idea of the itinerary, um, uh, and it, it involved quite a bit of running. And I was like, "Okay, that's good. That's good." I mean, I, that's I unexpected. Been a while. Exactly, um, but a lot of drinking as well, um, and that was excellent. So, um, so of course, uh, I. So this is a little insight into me. Um, he lives in a place called New Haven. Which is hilarious because New Haven in Sussex is an absolute shithole. Um, but he lives in this lovely place in Connecticut called New Haven. And um, I had to, so he was going to come and pick me up, but it was a, I landed at like half six or something. It was like worst time to go into JFK to, to drive and say. So I, I, he gave me um, instructions. Cause if you don't know Lee, Lee is an expert at information gathering and laying it out for you. So he laid out these instructions how to get the train to his place. Oh my God. There was like, it was like 43 different stops, different tickets, everything like that. And I could have just, I could have basically just paid an extra like 30 quid and got an Uber. But something in me thought, no, <laughs> I'm going to take the train no matter what I do. It's an adventure. It is an adventure. It was an adventure. It was good. I enjoyed it. Um, and, uh, and so, yeah, so pick me up and everything. And then like day one, he decided we're going to do a point to point run um, starting in a, a brewery. A tap house in a brewery is very popular now. They've become more popular in the UK. But a tap house at a brewery um, and then do this run and then finish at another place like that. So uh, so we go to this place and everything, dressed dressed up like um, like do-badders with the beer lovers uh, hats on and uh, our BBR shirts and everything. And uh, have some nice beers, really nice, really good. 
a lot of IPAs, they love IPAs there. Like you look at a menu of about 20 things and it's just IPA. Um, and then he takes me on this route, which when you're looking at it, I'm like, that looks quite high. Um, it's like a, like a, like a rocky outcrop in the middle of nowhere. You're like, well, that's quite high. How long is this, how long is this run going to be? And he's like, oh, it's about two and a half hours. It's only about, you know, six miles or, or something like that. So we start on this thing, and it's it's quite warm, like it's quite warm compared with the UK, and uh, and you know because I've had a little bit of back trouble and stuff like that. I was thinking, oh, my back's a bit hurt, something. Like but it was all right because it mainly because we're going uphill, so it's mainly walking and stuff like that. And as we as we're going up there, you wouldn't believe it. It's like I haven't been completely honest with you. Why? Um, I need to tell you the uh, the background, the history of this trail. And this trail we were running on was called, well, they call, they call it the Regicides, which, of course, in, in normal English is the Regicides travel. And, of course, Regicide is the death of a king. So what do you think? King, yeah. The death of a king. So what do you think this trail was related to? Is it where Elvis <laughs> went to the toilet and died? <laughs> no, it wasn't. He's found, he's basically moved somewhere where he's found somewhere that's connected to the monarch's bloody way, hasn't he, in America? <laughs> it's like, it's almost like twinned with it. It's like, this is the place where the people that, he's even told me the history and I've remembered it. Um, a couple of the um, judges who were responsible for um, executing, for the death pardon for the king, escaped to the US when the restoration came about, escaped to the US, and they used to, when they heard that there was a bounty on their head, they used to go up the top of this mountain um, on this trail yeah. and hide out there. And they could see the ships coming in. So they could see when people were after them, you know, the, what's it called? The, yeah, the king's men were after them and everything. And so, uh, and so it's known as the, the Regicides Trail because of these two English judges that used to, uh, used to hide out there. And so I'm like, how, how are we talking about Monarch's Way still? How have I come all the way to the US? <laughs> We're on a trail that's like thousands of miles from it, and we are still talking about the Monarch's Way. It just it couldn't be more Lee. So basically, has he, has he put himself a plaque up on that hill already? <laughs> not yet, not yet. Okay, not yet. But it was not. It was it was lovely. We went up. We went up on this route um, along this uh, this ridge and everything um, on these nice trails. They have a different way of um, of marking trails in the US. Um, and it's just basically painting everything, which. <coughs> Sorry. <coughs> um, and every time I'm marking trails in the US, they don't have any signs. They just, they just paint rocks and stuff like that. And you just think, well, surely that's damaging. But actually, mm. when you look at a route, you can see, like, right in front of you to, to quite far away because their trails aren't very well marked, aren't, yeah. you know, aren't as obvious because, you know, there's, like, rocks and stuff like that. But you can see, like, look, stretching ahead of you all these different colours um uh of where to go so quite regular really regular really regular um but they don't have like like we have in the uk where you've got like you know um like park rangers and stuff like maintaining mm. footpaths it's all it's all done by volunteers but they mark these routes these trails and stuff and we were up on this trail and you know it was really high up and uh you realize just how much space they have in america like mm. when i when i came into like new haven it, i was on the train and we drove in and it seemed like quite built up. And then when we were on the top, just like, just that typical sort of, you know, when you associate New England autumn type thing, just like trees and trees and trees for miles all around. 
but um, but yeah, but it's quite a quite quite a this like tricky route and, st- and stuff up there. Of course, we bought some, he bought some beers up as well. So we went to the top and we had some like beers at the top and then some more beers later on. Uh, and it turned out to be about thirteen miles. In the end. <laughs> it oh, was gosh. absolutely yeah. And then and then Shona picked us up, and then we went to this other brewery and stuff. And it was uh, yeah, it was good. It was really good. Um, and that was just the first day. And so because we were there over like um, uh, it was nearly Halloween, um, yeah. he said, "Okay, well tomorrow we're going to go on a." Oh, actually, before I say that, there was something really weird that happened. Well, something weird that constantly was happening. Um, there's a doll uh, in the UK called the Lover Bella doll. And it's like, it's like one of these things like there's going to be a big hit at Christmas. And, um, like uh, a love doll. No, it's not a love, but it sounds like, it sounds disgusting. It's a love of Bella doll. It's basically a doll that talks and wheeze. You know, just, just your standard. <laughs> a standard, love doll that talks and wheeze. Yeah. Yeah. Just your standard <laughs> doll. But, but over here, they're like 90 quid. Um, but if you get them in the US, they're like $40. And so Libby said, all right, why not? Why don't we get Lee to buy it in the US and you can just carry it back with you? Which always sounds a great idea because I'm thinking, oh, I'll say 50 quid, that'd be great. Yeah. Um, of course, I turn up to his house and everything. Do you have to get a separate seat for her? No, you don't have to get a separate seat for her. Turn up to the house <laughs> and there's fucking dolls in my bed. <laughs> and no matter what happens during She's the weekend. Is that your excuse? Yeah. She wet herself every night I was there. Uh, and this doll just keeps following, following me around the house at different points where it keeps getting placed. It's just, it was like this, this absolutely, it's like something out of like Chucky or something. Um, but, um, but yeah, that was, that, that was the other thing. So he'd, he'd, he'd organized to get this doll that I, uh, that I then was an absolute nightmare to get back as well. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, on the, so on the, on the next day, um, he said, okay, we're going to do a little Halloween run with some local runners. And I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds all right, you know, because you always see pictures of Lee and stuff and, and Shona, you know, going to different runs and things like that. I'm like, okay, that sounds all right. And so we're driving around this thing and I'm like, I don't know why we're having a conversation, but I, I'm, I said something. We were talking about hashing and I said, I am just, I don't think I'm ever going to have a situation where I'm going to end up doing a hash because I just don't think uh, it'll ever end well for me. Um, and you know, because you, of course, and uh, Port Pie trying to keep giving me the name Jizzy Pedo if I ever turned up for one, <laughs> which was always, always the big concern. Uh, and of course, we turn up at this place, and I get out of the car, and it just it still doesn't occur to me. And all these people are dressed up, and I was thinking, oh, it's just some like Halloween type stuff. And then Lee just goes, oh, just let's let's record a quick video, and I'm like, what? Let's record a quick video. What's going on here? And he calls in and he goes, oh, Jodie, you didn't realise that you are now at your first hash. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, what? And honestly, like, my heart sank. I mean, I was, I was trying so, you know, like when you're with a group of people and they're introducing themselves and you're saying hi and stuff like that. And you, you're trying your hardest to feel enthusiastic. And all I just felt was, oh, I can't run away from this. At all. <laughs> I, I don't know where I am. I don't know. What? What's happening? Were you nervous about it? Uh, I think I was a bit nervous about it, definitely. I just, I just didn't know. Again, I don't know what to expect, um, and especially I'm like in a foreign country as well. Uh, like, what, what do they, what do they, they do it differently and stuff like that? So it's a bunch of people I don't know who, and then they started doing a load of talking, which I didn't understand, which they always do, and they seem to be shouting at each other. I, it, 
If you turn up, like, for, the, I don't know what the thing's called at the start of a hash, but it literally sounds like people are having arguments with each other. If you just turned up, you'd think a fight was going on. <laughs> like, screaming and shouting, and then everyone else is shouting, and I don't know whether that's normal. Um, I think it is in the States more so than in the UK. It's a lot more extreme. Yeah, so we, we were doing this um, this Halloween's uh, run thing, um, and so we are in this car park, and we set up in the car park, and literally, we, before we got our car park, we were all lost. We've got no idea where anything is. And then we'd step out of the car park, and then that's the first stop. And we literally must have been about, like, 100 metres from where we started. And that kind <laughs> of was the theme the whole way round. There was never more... It, was, it wasn't more than, like, a few hundred metres between drink stops and stuff. Um, but it went through, like, the weirdest places, like... Um, it didn't like stick to road. I don't know whether any of this is normal or not. It didn't stick to any road stuff like that. Like at one point, a couple of people wandered into a fucking like um, uh, a beehive and and got stung to shit. So, no, yeah. and that was on the roof. Yeah, on the roof, yeah. Like this bit, this like bees nest or whatever. Not a beehive, a bees nest. Um, and they got like stung to shit and everything. And then we ended up in a like an abandoned um, what looked like some sort of. Uh, a, a rowing club or whatever that was just like eerie it had like all these like pentagrams on the floor and stuff and then <laughs> and it seemed to we seemed to be going through like uh, literally every single cemetery in this area at one point and of course you know everyone's like dressed up looking a bit odd and everything and of course like the police turn up and saying oh hi guys uh i uh i keep getting these reports there's there's some kids running around and like lee's like yeah we're the kids, but, <laughs> but we're not the kids. And it's like, oh, right, okay, what are you doing? And, you know, and you're just trying to explain to them, you know, oh, yeah, we're just running through here for a bit of fun and everything. So, so yeah, and so we went to, like, different pubs and stuff like that, and it was good and all that, and, uh, you know, just it, it, actually just like a, a normal UTDB event. And do you feel, like, what kind of distance did you run? Did you get lost? Was, did it all make sense? I, I was just following everyone else. I had no idea what was going on. Literally no idea what was going on. Like there was points where we all stood about, no one had any idea, and then everyone would run off in different directions, and I'd be like stood there with a couple of people just talking, and then eventually someone would come back and say, "Oh, it's this way" or, or whatever. There just seemed to be a lot of waiting around um, for other people to make decisions, uh, which I don't know is is pretty normal. Uh, but the terrain was a bit punchy. It was like. It wasn't like a flat or anything. It's not like running around London or something like that. Um, and uh, and we ended up in just like the weirdest places. We ended up in like that. It was like a uh, you know like where they have sorority houses and like fraternity yeah. houses. We ended up in the middle of a campus or something. I'm like I'm not. I'm honestly sure we're not supposed to be here. Uh, <laughs> and everyone like dressed up and everything. Um, and what did you make of the people? Well, the people were really nice. For all the weird shouting and stuff, like they were really nice. I ended up getting into an argument with someone about um, gun control because that's the kind of thing that I would do on a on a run like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like everyone was like really nice and friendly and stuff like that. Um, there's not really there's not really much else to say. It it was all it was all very sort of welcoming and um, and everyone was yeah keen to sort of like talk and, and everything else and so i don't know i don't is that normal for a hash i don't know if that's normal because it's in a different country 
yeah there is no normal on the hash that's the it's 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 like that they're, they're connected they've all come from the same place but actually if you think of anything that is as old as the hash is probably 80 years old now and that started so far away in malaysia you know they're going to be completely different yeah as people same with the hash so actually the american ones tend to be more extreme i'm not sure why and i don't know if that's true of all of them but they the ones outside of the cities tend to be very different in that they're, they're just smaller they go into more countryside and often can have more of a family feel um but they do tend to and and, and actually the big difference between something like, like city hash in london people come after work they'd run for an hour around roads in the city and you're in a pub anything more than than that becomes too complex because trying to set up lots of drink stops you're actually in the middle of town and uh, you know an a to b how do you get the bags there and then one has cars so it, it really changes what's what's achieved head to where you are i'd imagine most people drove there and knew the area as well and, and you've know, had the whole day to do it at the weekend it's and a that good point completely most people change it, it, this is most people did drive there i don't think about that mm. <laughs> yes, yeah <laughs> yeah so was everyone drinking heavily as well uh they have very hmm that's hmm they have very different thoughts about that in the u.s don't they yeah i mean the, the, i think drink driving in the UK, it's got a very different view for people for our age, especially to countries like America or Australia, because we don't have to deal with the reality of drink driving laws because we've got good public transport. Some yeah. of us don't need to drive. Whereas if you live somewhere like Australia, where you, you can't get anywhere without driving, a lot of America's like that. And also, you're in these huge cars on huge lanes where you don't meet other drivers. And so actually, while it's easy to take the high point saying drink driving is wrong, I don't think anyone wants to revert to it. You can understand that actually, really, drink driving is bad because it's about the risk of injuring someone. Yeah. But if those risks are dramatically reduced because of, you know, the previously mentioned reasons then you can you can understand why people are a little bit more um open to the the idea of it i'm not but suggesting was... any of them were drink driving i just i it just yeah. occurred to me that everyone drove there uh or they that's where we met in a car park which isn't a great place to me <laughs> i suppose for for something like that it's like having the weather spoons at the um at cobham services it's a bit weird <laughs> Yeah, but what did you think of the circle at the end? Because if you've not listened to the hashing episode, do batters, do go back to listen to it. We speak to a gentleman called Sweetheart who's hashed all around the world, very entertaining from America, but very much part of the hash culture. There's the intro at the beginning, but then the circle at the end is similar to if you've done a rugby circle, hockey circle, football circle at, at university, where the RA, who is the religious advisor, one of the leaders in the group, they stand up and dish out alcoholic fines to people for doing silly things or just for a whim that he wants to punish them but what did you make of that um again i didn't really know what was going on um for most of it um because they all spoke so quickly and i didn't know what they're talking about and they're making like lots of weird noises and stuff um but then it came to like like the naming stuff and i thought well 
I wasn't going to get named because no one ever mm. gets named on the first uh, first hash. That's what that's what I've been told repeatedly. Mm. Um, but obviously, there was a, a clear need to do it because um, obviously, I was never going to go on a hash with them again. So they <laughs> they get to name it, and so I was thinking, oh, what the fuck? Like, what is it? This, you're going to. Someone's, someone's going to call me Jizzy Pedo or something like that. I don't know if they find that as funny, uh, or they would find that funny in the US, um, which I imagine is not that it is funny. I'm not sure it would be humorous over here. I, th- I think <laughs> I don't think it's humorous anywhere. Yeah, yeah. It's That's only humorous like knowing it. how horrific it is. Yeah. Um, but um, but yeah, and so I I, I got named um, uh, and. The significance of that is, of course, my name is Jody. Um, if if you're listening to this and you didn't realise it, my name is Jody, and Jody has a very specific meaning in the US, which is um, jo- Jody was always the guy who stayed back from in wartime and basically had sex with uh, your wife. <laughs> was that a job? <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's it. That's where I come from—a long line of um, uh, philanderers. Uh, what's the criteria for selection for that oh um uh, just not being good enough to go to war and um <laughs> yeah so and so the that's that's quite a well known um like phrase in the, in the US and and uh, associated with that so i was thinking up to this point for all the talk about um you know hash being you know a bit a bit pervy and a bit um yeah, mm. everything seems to be based on sex. I was thinking, oh, there's not a huge amount actually. This one that's, that seems to be based on sex, or, or I'm missing it. You know, it seems to be much mm. more about drinking than than perving, and um, and that's just a a, a generalisation, of course. Um, and then and then I get the hash name, the British are coming. Yeah, that's that's quite a, a typical style hash name, I'd say. So it is, okay, and, and, so which is which is disgusting. Are you happy with it? Um, well, I don't think I'd be happy with anything, really. Yeah. It's better, it's better than Jizzy Pedo. So, better uh, than Cunface Twat Biscuit. <laughs> it is, it is. I just think it's, it's one of those things, like, when people go, oh, what's your hash name? I'll go, the British are coming. Uh, and do, I do, I mean, what's the, like, do you just get used to saying it? Yeah, I mean, the reality of Can the Can I names... shorten it? It's a long one. Yeah, so it's it's hit and miss who's known by the name actually. So from our friendship group, for example, Princess Port Pie, I'm sweetheart. Sorry, Princess Port Pie, sweetheart. We all know each other by our names, and we call each other our names outside the hash. People know us by those names who aren't hashes, who don't know why we've got those names. Whereas there, my friend Lex, my friend Matt, there's quite a few other hashes who you just call them by their normal name. Yeah, and, because what is their hash name? Um, sexy, oh, Lex is Sexy No No No. Uh, uh, Matt is Hymen Intact. See, there we go. And that's why they don't know them. You've got quite eat pork pie, princess and sweetheart are acceptable things to say to other people. Yeah, Whereas, mine's Princess Albert, though. So he could have just been Hymen or... What um, the fuck? Hymen? No. <laughs> <laughs> but Kitty, for example, <laughs> Kitty's family member. So she could have just been member or um but there's there are people are known by some fairly bad names so date rape was known as by date rape when you go out that's Um, someone's name date rape 
Yeah, yeah, because he'd always buy, if you're at a bar, he'd always buy shots and just get girls drunk with shots. So that was his name. Well, I suppose it's a warning. It's quite useful. It's a public service to have a name, being given a name like that. Yeah, so I is yours a warning as well? I don't, I don't really know what to do with it now. I don't know. Is that just something to go, oh, there we go. I've got the name. Um, I'm never yeah. going to go to a hash again. Yeah, absolutely. So if you ever do go to a hash again or if you meet a hasher, they'll probably say, who are you, who are you where are you from? And you'll say, hi, uh, the British are coming. I'm from Brighton. And they go, way, way. But do I and say that? Because it, they're, obviously that mean aren't aren't they now my home hash because they're the ones that i went to or not that i can't remember the exact rules I, I think it depends partly on on where you are on what the rules are but you can you can say i'm from brighton or you can say my home hash is cincinnati but your name will always be um the british are coming unless you get renamed which is possible but it would take someone to actually rename you and Generally, if you're renamed, it doesn't get better. No, it's not going to get better, is it? I thought I, I thought I got it quite lightly with that, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not it's not overly crude, is it? And you could also I mean, retell that, that I mean, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think you got you got away with it. And so, was it quite boozy then at the end? And was there was the circle like quite extensive and or Kind of ten minutes of a few ja- a few gags. Uh, I don't really know what to compare it with, to be honest. It's um, it was kind of like the like when you do like the end of um, the beerathon. Yeah, 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 like that. Well, we should get you to come into City Hash. So you oh can no, 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 no. No, really, you'd enjoy it. It's really fun and. You would, you could just be hi, and the British are coming, and that would be it. And then you just have a normal run, have some drinks. But it'd be interesting to see what you think of that, and to, to compare the two because I've never hashed in the states, and have heard they are a little bit crazier and a little bit more fanatical about hashing than we are necessarily over here. Well, because drinking's so new to a lot of them, isn't it? Yeah, it's true, actually. Yeah, by the time that they're illegally allowed to drink, most of us have been drinking for like five years. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah. So go on then. So from, from um, a lack of achievement um, and being <laughs> named to you doing the arm. I mean, from lack of achievement to lack of achievement. <laughs> massively. Wow. So the arm. The arm. Um, diddly dub dub dub. <laughs> You know, when you look back at a weekend and you think, oh, man, we were dreadful <laughs> wow. for the entire weekend. Wait a minute. Well, isn't that supposed to be just how you, everyone generally looks back on races? <laughs> well, I think, um, yeah, we, I mean, you, you've sometimes kind of mocked a little bit by lack of preparation, lack of knowledge going into races. Um, <laughs> but this one, yeah, I think because... We'd done the Iceland Dom, uh, Claire and I, and that seemed to be so much easier than this one. Um, I'm not sure if it's because it was sunny, or it was the summer, so it was longer days, the fact that it was the geography was so much easier to, to see, but everything was on a path. You ran from this path to that path. You'd be on a, a mountain top and be like, right, we're going to that one. 
and then uh yeah we really should have done a bit more research <laughs> where is it where so where was the om so this one's in the brecon beacons and they it normally it tends to be up north um, but they they rotate it around yeah and it's, it's always i think the wettest weekend of the year that's when the clocks go forward back um Spring does back. Ross does Ross come around and change your clocks as well for you as well as well as driving you to all events? I don't know. Well, Ross I... just does all of that. <laughs> but I think Ross Ross Ross's now is uh, similar standard to mine. But I think he thought because we'd done the on previously that we we're actually. <laughs> oh no! You're thinking, oh, Ross will be, Ross will do the nav. I mean, you spend a bit better. You've done the on before. So just yeah. actually, so just so just so people who uh, listen to this who, who might not never have heard of on before. It's yeah. uh, the original mountain marathon. Yeah, it's been going for 50 years or so. And it's a two-day event where it's fully self-supported. You're given a map at the beginning of day one with various checkpoints. Depending on which course you're doing, you either have to do a set route from A to B to C, or you have a certain amount of time where you have to get to as many checkpoints as possible. But as, as I said earlier, they, they always choose it to be the wettest weekend of the year. Conditions on purpose, tend to on be, purpose. Yeah, yeah. They, it, it's a shame in some ways, but they've, they've created it to be an event where it it's truly miserable. is challenging. Yeah. It was in, it was in the omelette a few years back where it had all those runners disappeared and they were all hiding out in a, in a, in a you know, abandoned barn or something because the conditions were so awful. Yeah. I mean, last year, um, last year I was slightly injured and, um, and also she couldn't face it so it pulled out. But <laughs> that's where Miller and Pete went and they spent eight hours to find three checkpoints on day one and then had to bail. So if you imagine, and a checkpoint should take, depending on the course, 40 minutes, I'd have thought, for each one maximum. I don't, yeah, there's, there's something uniquely British about the Ops, isn't there? <laughs> like, I can't, I can't imagine, you've got all like, these Americans who like, you know, do all these like, crazy races. I just, there's something, and there's something very British about thinking this is an enjoyable experience. I think uh, we, we almost own damp. We own damp, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> damp is British. Damp is British. And no one, no one in America understands that. They don't, they don't, get like, damp. We, don't, we don't get damp. We get humid, we don't get damp. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. But we, um, we got, I mean, thankfully we had some pretty good kit because um, the OM had, had treated us, us to um, like the new OM top, which is the, the wind, so the rainproof one, weighs on like 70 grams for a, for a full on rainproof hoodie. So we had, we had all this nice kit. And so we went into it thinking, you know, we're not in the greatest shape either, but we can put some miles in if we need you're, to. You're sounding like a tourist here, aren't you? I've got the kit. <laughs> <laughs> This'll do. Oh, complete. And actually, even even on the kit, because, I mean, it's, it's interesting, because last time I did it was six years ago, and I had never really run with a rucksack before. So I remember going out on training runs, carrying these, like, weights on my back to get used to it. And... So my memory going into it was like, God, then we've got to carry something quite heavy. But actually, when we, went, when we got to it, my laptop is so heavy, as you can tell from how useless the tech is. <laughs> but um, when we put our bags on, we were like, actually, this is completely fine. Like, we can run with this, no problem. And so we ended up 
adding a few extra elements um, into it. So Ross was obsessed with taking these massive marshmallows. And then we, had, we thought we need some hip flasks with booze for the cold at night. Um, and then we ended up once, once you think oh, it's not that heavy, you end up putting in so much stuff. You don't need. <laughs> but yeah, we, um, so the, it's, a, it, it was in Wales, which actually for us is great because we could then drive Saturday morning um, rather than staying camping out the night before so we get there most people are already off so john album's racing um wins the whole thing of course um a few other friends ross from uh, mud school he's racing as well but we don't really see anyone because they're already on the mountain so we head off and we're thinking right uh here we are and that's it we we've both got matching kit as well so we really do look like tourists because we've got the same uh like a cliff bar hats we've got our lovely green jackets uh, we're wearing our sponsor whores yeah i like oh. two times you red calf guards to get so, yeah, I, think like... you had, I think you haven't paid for anything <laughs> <laughs> marshmallows marshmallows <laughs> oh that's disappointing <laughs> but um yeah and we we started going and when everyone starts they tend to they, you get given the map and we knew approximately where we were in, in the region, but you, you don't know any of the course. And so most people then stop, look at the map, decide a plan, decide a route. And from my experience of Questars, UK Challenge, and what I remember the last time, I'd always thought this, what, what you do is you start and you start running because then it scares everyone else and they, they panic and they make mistakes. So we started doing that. <laughs> and I realized there's a reason why everyone else planned. So we thought, right, sod it. Let's, let's head to the big point south. Um, missed our first checkpoint because we thought it was going to be on the path. And it wasn't. So like, damn it. Um, then thought, next checkpoint is quite a big one. It's at the top of this hill. There's quite a weird, windy trail to get there. It's going to take us ages. And the arm is about figuring out the best route you don't have to stick to paths you you just go wild yeah and so we found this river bed this stream and we thought if we go up the stream we know we're going to hit the checkpoint it's there's no way we can get lost it's so much shorter so we then hit this uh this stream not really thinking about what we were doing and then there were nine barbed wire fences through this wooded if you imagine the scene from um never-ending story where they're almost in a swamp just falling in and not, <laughs> the horse loses the will to survive <laughs> that was us just going over this wooded like oh my god and that seemed to just sum up our own really where um bad decision been, after bad decision oh and and so I'd, I'd been I've been given this amazing kit by Silver, and I'd, I'd mentioned previously how excited I was about having a thumb compass, <laughs> which I don't think many people who listen to the podcast will understand why I'd be so excited about it. I think it's partly because um, Tom Davies, who we interviewed about adventure racing, he's always used one, and he in my head is the best navigator I know, um, the best adventure racer I know. So a little bit of me thought. I've now got a thumb compass, so I'm like. <laughs> <laughs> but the trouble is, so you turned into a toddler. <laughs> I've got a cape. I'm Superman. <laughs> yeah, look at me. <laughs> look at me with my kit. So, you, um, were you parading it, parading it around with your thumb at the start? Hey, hey! Thumbs up, everyone. <laughs> Thumbs up. What's this? What's this? And the it was it was a piece of kit that was almost too unsophisticated for me because 
<laughs> it's um if you imagine a, a normal compass you've got the bezel where you yep. twist it you've got um often measurements you've got um like a ruler bit you've got a magnifying glass this fits fits on your thumb it doesn't have a twist bezel at all it doesn't have a north or south on the bezel or any bearings it just has the needle and then different colors around the edge as if what each hour and so the idea is you line it all up using a thumb in your map look at where it's pointing to um so it could be the red section with one dot in and you then navigate using that now (laughs) i really should have practiced it before i came And I didn't have any other comforts on me. So we're getting to the point where we're just staring at the map thinking, do, do you know when your head hurts? Because you know what to do, but then it just doesn't. The sleet started coming in. It was snowing. And uh, we were just wandering around these hills. And, and the, it, also, it takes so long to remind yourself how to navigate and how the on works that it's not until now that I think I could do it properly because you forget when you look on a map, what you think is a path might not be a path because there's so many pig tracks everywhere. And then you're suddenly looking at what's around you and getting it completely wrong. So, yeah, we, we managed to go, I think, east when we should have been going northwest. What? <laughs> what? How do you, then, that? How do you make that mistake? I really don't. It's because we found this like path that we thought was a path, and then it was a slightly different angle to what we thought. A and then slightly the... different angle. <laughs> but then you're seeing all these people around you who are going in different directions. You're like, oh, they must be going for this checkpoint. But the good thing is about the OM, everyone who has different routes has completely different checkpoints as well. So they might not be going to anything near what, what you've got in your map. And so uh, that was that was basically our day one was mainly getting lost. Um, we did a little bit of and Ross has been injured as well. He's got a bad ankles. So um, I'm used to up hills anyway because I'm unfit. Ross can't run downhills. So it meant that we couldn't run uphills or downhills. <laughs> so it was a team on a mountain marathon. <laughs> we were so bad. And it got... You need to do one of those races where you're cuffed to each other. <laughs> yeah. That would just be hilarious. It, it felt like that in some ways. And we, we got near to the end of day one. And it, it wasn't until about halfway through the day that we suddenly realized, oh, my God, even though we're not that far from the end, from the campsite, we're moving so slowly. Because we, we'd gone into it thinking, and I, I'd said to Ali on the, on the podcast beforehand, I genuinely couldn't understand how we can do it for six hours because surely we're going to do like 35 miles each at least uh, but we were doing 17 minute miles on average i think which that's pretty fast <laughs> <laughs> and so we suddenly realized after a few like oh crap we've got to get back to the campsite and when you're two hours out and you already know you're going to be late but then we so we were then navigating and we hadn't really read the map as i'd said properly so we then went to the bit that we, that we went in the quickest direction via these checkpoints to get there not realizing that under this green in the map was actually a cliff and so we went <laughs> to the top of this cliff we then looked out could see the campsite we're like oh bugger like, there's wait, no way wait a minute you're making out like this and really this this sounds like really basic map reading <laughs> 
didn't realise there was a cliff. What do you think it was a bush or something? <laughs> well, it's because it was. It was really. I mean, not not a crazy cliff, but you couldn't climb down it. It was too steep for that. And on the map, it was very dense green colour because it was very lush. And so we didn't see the um, the contour lines heavily beneath it. We're like, oh crap, yeah. That. So we got to the top of the cliff, and that's when we looked down. And we realised actually. The way into the campsite was completely walled off as well, and you're not allowed to cross it. And so not only were we aiming for the wrong point, we were going to have to go all the way around. So day one, we get in 36 minutes late, something like that. Um, Do you get penalised for that, though, or something? Or is that... Yeah. You get, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, in fact, that's the trouble. We didn't even know how many points you'd lose per minute. Um, cause, <laughs> And and it was only at the end of the OM, the whole OM, that we looked at the top right and we realised that each checkpoint had a description of where and what it was. <laughs> we hadn't even looked at that bit because we hadn't looked at the key. I love this. So, so far, so day one, you rocked up, you're wearing all the right kit, you've got your, you've got your thumb compass. <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> and then you literally forgot how to read maps. Oh man, but, but I mean, I was, I was pleased. It's, that's a good thing about it. You were with a mate, so it was really fun. So, so I imagine then all the lessons that you learnt on day one meant that day two you absolutely smashed it. it obviously, obviously. <laughs> well, before before day one, you get that's the thing about the arm. You get in, and there's all these tents up, and um, it's a really big event. But you're we finished at four thirty, so you then you have your food. It takes so long to get warm. Um, and, and somehow it was minus four, I think. And in London that week, it had been 18, 19 degrees. Oh. So this was before we the, the yeah. weather. It's not terrible now, but we never came out of the summer. We we just went straight into winter. We haven't, we haven't hit winter really, but we London has been lovely, lovely, lovely. Some rain, but and so to then go to minus four, oh, my God. So, yeah, we, we kind of set up our camp had our food and then you're and we had every bit of clothing on but uh a few issues that night first one is to claire had bought me these amazing pegs that are ultra light so we've we've got the um the terra nova tent that's crazy light and uh so she as a christmas present bought me these pegs um because it's even lighter than the ones you get with the tent so i switched them in but I didn't think to count how many pegs were in <laughs> how many pegs were in the back. So we get there and we've got like six pegs for the whole tent. So for one, the tent, thankfully, you only need something eight or nine pegs. But it meant that everything was flapping around because the, the guy ropes, the thing. And so the whole way through the night, and I felt so guilty for our neighbours because just this flapping noise constantly. Um, so that was what the other issue we were just you're just so cold and we were wearing every bit of clothing um and then we got to the point like oh i don't have to ever go to the toilet so what do we do uh we try to find bottles but but um yeah anyway thankfully we had our booze which was really nice actually um just to keep you warm but because the hour the clock had gone forward it meant we had an extra hour in bed because we'd started so late on the Saturday, we didn't start till 10 o'clock on the Sunday. So you imagine being in a oh, tent, yeah. freezing, and you know you're not racing, 
until the equivalent of 11 the next day. That's the thing, isn't it? Always, you always think, oh, yeah, loads of rest time, loads of rest time. But when it's in that situation, you just want to get moving. Oh, yeah, completely. Especially as at six o'clock, they start banging these things and you're like, first race is up. There's no chance of you sleeping. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so day two, we, we get up and um, can't feel our feet by the time... Um, so I'd, I'd pack these bags, plastic bags you could put your feet in because the idea is you get you take your shoes off, take your socks off, get your feet dry and then put them in clean socks in the plastic bags. But again, I just bought these sandwich bags and I hadn't thought to measure them. So there were no way they, they fit on half the foot. So we then had wet feet the whole night, which meant by the morning I couldn't feel my feet at all. So we start riding in the morning and we're, we, we've got the hang of it by this stage because you're thinking a little bit more like the route designer would do or like the on um, is. Um, yeah. And you've figured out actually naving, you know, use fences, use you know, all these. And uh, so first, first hour, that's the first mile or two. It's quite weird because you just can't feel your feet at all. Uh, but we're like, let's just leg it. Let's just get some some pace in, and then uh, find the first checkpoint. Yeah, we're doing so well. Right, we're going to take this route. We're going to wait for this. We're going to wait for the track to cut across us. So we're running by, no track, no track. So we then look at the map, and what we thought was a track, is a dotted line that says not a track. <laughs> so I don't understand how there can be not a track that you'd mark on the map because surely everything's not a track <laughs> so, it does seem a bit weird <laughs> see schrodinger's track it's both a track and not a track if you turn up on the track it's not there what? yeah and so um so that that again didn't go too well and uh but yeah day two we we were so much better but even so because we didn't have a way of measuring on the map accurately it's so important that you need to know we're running for 1.2 kilometers or 1.6 kilometers yeah and the difference between that is massive when you're looking for a very particular checkpoint so yeah we were better on day two but we were still pretty bad and we got to this section where we thought right we've got a choice of getting a checkpoint by going over this hill yeah or we can run three miles on a road and we're like let's just do the road we're not going to get lost <laughs> We can run flat out. But, um, yeah, day two, learned so much more. It was great. We were on the boundary between England and Wales. So you actually went over. Oh, okay. Yeah, over the boundary a few times. Um, ran around this, this huge roads, came up the side. But even then, you, you, if you think of the Brecon Beacons, there's these huge Breckens. Yeah. Huge fannies. Huge pennies. Penny fat, I can't remember what they're called. But they, and so when you're on the map like that, you can run anywhere. But then, and you, so you get into the mentality, but then as soon as you're off those areas, you're in woodland, you're, and actually you can't run anywhere because of fences. And, and so by the end, we, we'd half figured it out, um, tried to come down to the campsite. And then once again, for some reason, just got ourselves stuck in barbed wire, in loads and loads of ferns. And so having come back, being really sensible, quite pleased with what we'd done, 
going to come in on time. We just we came out like covered in cuts, appearing from the wrong direction, getting our che- you've got to do the last two checkpoints in the right order. So yeah, even our our better day, we were just so so bad. Um, but and, and and kind of leads you wanting to do it again because you suddenly think I can I now get it. I understand how how it works. I understand why they lay it, how they lay it, and yeah. oh, but and, and and in some ways I think actually doing a fixed route if you can find the checkpoints is easier because it's less thought. And, yeah. and some of our friends said they were just following people the whole way because you're all on the same route. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, do you fancy it? Something like I, that? I, the thing is, I did fancy it. Mm. Um, I like the idea of it. I like the idea. Nice. You know, multi-day event. Um, even the fact that it's like a mountain based thing. I, I'm okay with. It's just the weather. I just, yeah, I just don't. I, I, if I can avoid doing it, why not avoid being damp and cold? If you yeah. had like, do they? But they do the arms elsewhere, don't they? They're not all. The arm isn't just necessarily. It has to be damp, cold, and miserable. Yeah, they've got an arm light. I, I think it's in the south or either Surrey or, or, or the southwest. Yeah, but I mean, like abroad. Yeah, they've got one in Japan. They've also now got Imagine one in... Imagine going to Japan and doing the Omni, thinking, oh, it's going to be amazing, it's going to be amazing sights and stuff <laughs> like that. And it's just, you're just on a misty it's mountain, you can't see anything. It's just boggy. <laughs> they've managed to find the only place that is just like the highlands of Scotland, like just pure bog and midges or something like that. They forget, the good thing is, it's, it's, good, it's good marketing for them because you, you sell more kit. Yeah, I suppose that's true, isn't it? If you if it was if it was all like sunshine and roses, why would you need the waterproof kit? Why would you need all these all these things? Yeah, and um, but the the one in France does look good actually, and I think Where's I'm the one in free. Second, where is it in France? I'm gonna say the Alps, and that will be that is summertime. That will just be lovely, and actually, it changes the navigation a lot as well. Yeah, um, I imagine as well. Um, it will probably be a little bit more set on trails because if you're in the Alps, there's you know you there are routes across, there are fixed routes, and there's just very hard. You, there's just areas you wouldn't be able to go through, traverse, and things yeah. if you're not route. Um, yeah, so I'm tempted to to give it another go. I've still got to figure out. Next time I'm going to take one of the Silver's less advanced compasses where it's actually got. <laughs> <laughs> north south a talking compass You're yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, um, but surely you won't run with ross again because if you if you realize that you're incompatible in terms of being able to run up hills and down hills surely that makes that really well, that difficult was, that was just the circumstance i think i mean i'm overplaying my lack of ability uphills but um but you're not underplaying his ability downhills that's the important well, thing next time his ankle will be fine hopefully and and it was um I can't, we, we'd done a, a big race the weekend before where he oh he'd done the the OCR World Champs the weekend before oh okay okay where he turned his ankle and still persisted with the whole course so um, he he was looking like he might have to pull out like one or two days after that all right so, the, the, right, the thing is with this okay is that is the dynamic I've run with someone before it was a mm. disaster uh, and I don't know if I want to do. I'm not going to say their name. If you, look, if you looked at a previous um, edition of Men's Running, um, you'll know who I'm talking about. Um, for, for eight days. Oh, that's a long time. For eight days. Wrong person. 
And um, I'm just interested in what is the dynamic between you and Ross? I mean, I, I'm really interested in what the dynamic is between anyone. But when, <laughs> what happens when you disagree or does that not happen? Is it, are you, who's in charge of the nav? Is it you or him? If you say, I think we should go this way, does Ross go, okay, or does he go, no, I, I'm just interested in the dynamic. What do you like in that situation? Actually, I'd, I'd say neither of us were... <laughs> Let's uh, go this way. How about we just go home? <laughs> well, because because we're both aware that we're not amazing at NAV, we would just check with each other each time. And actually, we were, we're pretty much in agreement of nearly everything. And then the only time that it changed was when Ross had said, why don't we take this route, uh, this route all the way around the base and just run loads and uh and it's like actually yeah good, good good idea so we didn't really disagree on anything um so you're both equally to blame for the shambles yeah absolutely <laughs> yeah, yeah i've just seen who's got you're, you're, you're claiming collective responsibility here you should have just gone you no know, ross i'd ceded to ross's uh, navigation the whole time and look where we <laughs> ended up but we, we did navigate in different ways you had different styles oh, and that's did the you? thing you yeah he's he was very much looking at um, the stars <laughs> so he'd be looking at the, like the tree lines yeah. and the larger you know, obstacles, so larger things in your environment. Yeah. Whereas I was looking at your a phone. lot more staring at the yeah, staring <laughs> at the map, trying to figure out the distance, the angles. Um, and actually, I think his way work, would work well, works a lot better when it's not shitting it down, and you can see. Uh, it's amazing, isn't it? Like having a map out when it's raining and it's windy. It feels like it's the most uncontrolled thing. It's the only thing that's more uncontrolled is if you if you drop a ping pong ball, ball on a tiled surface and you can even <laughs> to pick up. That that's when you feel out of control. The second most thing we feel out of control is trying to look at a map in like the worst windy environment possible. It instills panic. It just it? it's just like this chaos. This chaos needs to end. <laughs> yeah and i mean that's what i found so john john turned up and he was doing the the a class the top top one um and yeah they absolutely beasted it which i don't know how and it's like another weekend in a row where he's he'd done the world champs himself won both of them and then went to the other and his his partner was a and used to be an orienteer and top iron man from norway but he was cramping up at the end and so apparently the last hill the guy couldn't go up it and so john said can you turn around can you walk backwards so john was carrying both their bags and dragging him backwards up the hill what? Was, yeah yeah and, and yet they still the, the first day they had a two minute lead at the end of the day which is obviously nothing day two they uh it, it it starts as a staggered start so they were out first they got caught by the team behind about halfway and then they put 25 minutes into them which at that level is a huge amount so and especially then if your your teammates cramping up so unbelievable I, I don't i don't believe john album's a real person i think we i think he's really invented <laughs> it's like some kind of superhero i think the person <laughs> the person you got on for the interview was some kind of some kind of actor that's insane no unbelievably insane and then he went he, he won spartan trifecta world champs the week after uh the last weekend so he's done four world champs and an om winning all of them so did he get the million 
No, that's the, that, so that was a step two towards the million, the trifecta. Oh, that's okay, the step two, okay. I'm sorry, so I keep, he, I keep I'm getting totally confused by it, but he is, he is first step. Yeah, he's done the first two. He's got one more race, which if he wins and does a, it's the 100-mile part that's the, the killer. But they're saying he has to qualify for it. So he has to fly to do a Spartan Ultra, I think, in California or somewhere else really random. And he doesn't have to win or anything. He just has to finish one. So he's going all the way there to basically do a training jog, which he'll probably still win. <laughs> To then qualify for the world champs to then but i don't he's gonna he's fly gonna... he's gonna fly the plane there and land it as well <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's gonna be dragging another yeah, dragging a plane yeah, dragging... <laughs> <laughs> but i think you should i think you should do an arm i'd love to hear what you think and and I, can... I really want to get the course designer to come on and really to explain his thinking how he does it because what we found throughout the, the days where we had these random checkpoints that appeared randomly but then you'd suddenly find do you know sheep tracks pig tracks yep yep they'd nearly always be on like a, a sheep track and oh, so really? he's yeah and and we were in some ways limited by our in some ways we had too much bravado but in some ways we were limited by our lack of ambition because we'd always try and go <laughs> isn't that a metaphor for our lives <laughs> yeah too much bravado no ambition yeah because in some ways we we try and be sensible in our navigation yeah whereas it it did seem and we only got this really towards the end of day two that if you just went off bearings and you went right from point a to point b what's how's the quickest way to get there you were often rewarded with these little paths that probably wiggled around the whole way yeah. and would actually take you almost directly there. Because we'd, we'd meet people who were like, oh, yeah, we just came off there and followed this path. Like, crap, there's no path on the map. But Yeah, exactly, yeah. The, the pig tracks aren't showing up, uh, but, but the course designer knows they're there and knows that someone's going to, when you find that, it's going to take them exactly where they need to go. Yeah. Oh, so That's really uh, smart. That's really good. So I'd love to get him on and just just get inside his head because i think if you understand how he lays that course then every time you're thinking about which route or how to do it you're going to think in the right way and it's just going to be naturally flowing that you find the the routes easy yeah i think i i'd like to do it i think i'd need to find the right partner to do it with though i think that's that that's the, the difficult part about it um should we have an open invitation <sighs> <laughs> who's gonna do the on with me yeah do you want, do you want john album to run with me <laughs> that'll be perfect i'll just camel toe myself to him and it doesn't matter he can drag me the whole way around yeah, like literally like yeah. i'll be like some kind of like useless rag doll as he's pulling me up that's amazing that's amazing that's, yeah, good, having... man. that's a great story i love it when it when it doesn't go right that's perfect yeah i mean it doesn't go right but actually it was such we had such a good time and it yeah, it's just so good doing it with Ross, but also six hours. It's weird how six hours is such a long time, but actually you're two hours in suddenly and you think, what? How have two hours gone? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, I recommend the OMS to, to anyone who's, who likes ultra running, anything like that. It's it's so good. The, you do get have to get a lot of kit for it, but actually I'd be tempted to almost race slower and take more kit next time. Really? Yeah. Proper socks, Proper things like socks. that. 
Yeah. We need to do a kit episode. I think that's been so overdue, a kit episode where we can like we can geek out on some kit. Well, hopefully, um, and we've had many a guest cancelling us in the past, but we've lined up Elizabeth Barnes, who is one of the leading experts in the world, I'd imagine, on, on Ultra Kit, because yeah. she owns, manages My Race Kit, obviously won the MDS and various other huge races. So, yeah, she's going to come on so we can talk about kit for i thought it'd be really interesting to look at how kit changes in the needs of being at the front the middle and the back for like a single day and a multi-day because we might have different kit requirements for the same race um so it'd be really good for her to look at that so do batters if you've got any questions on kit do ask us because we'll we'll put them to her that's a great one that's gonna be great yeah, absolutely. Well, perfect, uh, man. That's 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 really good. That's we've got yeah. two two kind of race reports there. Um, you know, I've got a funny name now. You've been burnt slightly. <laughs> <laughs> it's that it's that kind of pain that, that the listener expects from this. Exactly, exactly. The, the lengths we go for our listener. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, we didn't want to do it. I, the lengths I got, I had to put up with Lee Stewart Evans for three whole days just for you, listener. <laughs> Yeah, I only had two days of us. So, uh, <laughs> but if, if um, we normally interview people, uh, it's probably only one in five, one in six we do a catch-up episode like this. But if there's anyone you'd like us to interview, if it's your first one, please suggest, get in the Facebook group. And we do go out, find them, get them on the podcast. Um, and subjects, well, if there's subjects that you want us to cover that we haven't covered, you know, even if, um, even if there were previous episodes, we've done a lot of episodes now. So um, if there's some earlier episodes that you think, um, you know, be worth repeating in terms of things that we've discussed, um, you know, let us know. Or, or if there's any areas that we haven't covered that you think would be interesting and interesting to the rest of the Dubada community, let us know. Um, let us at badboyrunning.com. And if anyone knows any trainer designers, I thought that could be quite an interesting episode to get someone on who actually has to deal with uh, the design of the shoe, the sourcing of the different materials and understanding what the pressures and the decisions they make there. Anyone knows anyone who can talk about that? That would be great to get them on. Perfect. Well, man. Well, thanks for listening, guys. Any recommendations for shows if it's their first one? They like this. Listen to the Om Iceland one. Oh uh, yeah, the Om Iceland uh, one is a, is an obvious one because that that'll provide an excellent contrast. Um, I'd also suggest listening to our interview with uh, with Sweetheart about um, the uh, the whole hashing experience. Um, yeah, and uh, why I'm I was reluctant to do it in the first place. <laughs> and um, if you if you do like, please subscribe. Um, please. Leave us a five-star review on iTunes or similar, and you can be as silly with those as you'd like. And um, make sure and you join the Facebook group. So that is, uh, go to Facebook, type in Bad Boy Running Podcast, and answer three questions as amusingly as possible in order to get into the group and join the conversations. And if you want to drink along with us, it's beer52.com slash badboyrunning. Cool. Hello, man. See you later. Well, mate, I'll see you next week. Okay. Bye 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 bye